This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. It is, it is fresh in my mind. All I can say is, I want more Nancy. <laughs> Nancy is really on fuego in this one. Why, why don't we give her more lines? I want to know her backstory because I want to know how she got like this. <laughs> like, what is her own life? I have missed you, and I have missed doing this. This is insane. Um, oh, I can't. I've missed you too, and I missed this. For those who don't know, we took two weeks off so we could do like we finally got vaccinated stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've it's it's getting to uh, toward the warmer months, and in Friday Harbor, that means that everyone comes to visit us. <laughs> yeah, I just had a house guest for three days. Uh, who he left yesterday? So yeah, we we have house um, guests currently yeah. who arrived yesterday. So. Um, yeah, has has uh, Paul listened to a single episode of this podcast yet? No, <laughs> neither has Courtney. I, I, do, I don't think he ever will because he hates Swans Crossing with such an intense passion. I don't. I can't say I blame him. Oh my gosh! Uh, so you <sighs> just just now a minute ago finished watching episode ten, which is yeah. episode nine of our podcast. Wow. Yeah, and I'm not saying I delayed because we had house guests, but I that's exactly what happened. Is I I <laughs> I stalled until this morning and literally just finished watching it and oh boy, is it a it's a it it's almost like the writers took a break. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we don't we don't want to do a lot of dialogue this episode. Does that sound okay to everybody? <laughs> it's the end of week 2. It's the end of week 2 of our series. And we're tired, and we don't want to write a lot of dialogue. So instead, we're going to fill this episode with long, awkward crosses. Thank you for listening, because I don't feel like we thank our listeners enough. Yeah, thank you, listeners. Thank all the listeners, except the one person on Apple uh, Podcast on the Apple Podcast app who gave us one star. Um, <laughs> screw that person. Even though, probably, that is the most honest review. The most yeah. honest rating out of the three we have so far. But for the rest of you, um, show your solidarity with our attempts to to connect with you over our mutual love for this insane TV show. And please give us five stars. Or at least four, you know. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> and thank you for rating. We're, We're very bad talk at about, podcasting. We are. We're terrible at it. That's fine, though. I mean, I edit it and it sounds better than the way it sounds to us. <laughs> Still not great, but better. I actually, I, I bit the bullet and I told my friend who is like a professional, legit podcaster that I have a podcast and she is apparently going to listen. So okay, um, brace yourself. I warned her that it's bad. Let's really set expectations low. That is my MO in life. Set expectations low. If the expectations low. are low enough, we can succeed. Welcome to Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swans Crossing retrospective. I'm Livy Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler Jeffrey. Thanks for listening, folks. Nailed it. Okay, Nathan. <laughs> Let's talk about your predictions you made last week. You first of all predicted that the the episode would open on Owen and Sandy rehearsing. The Countess would be in the middle of preparations for Mila's party. Uh, swimming lesson number two would happen. This time, Mila would actually get in the water. Glory would. <laughs> Glory would ask JT why he has kept her spelling book from sixth grade. Neil would interrupt a kiss in that same scene. And the Baldies would arrive in Swan's Crossing. Um, you were wrong about almost everything. But that's okay because that's why I like to have you predict things. Because you usually predict something that would make narrative sense. Yet this right. show doesn't make any narrative sense. It's a hot is, mess. Is her spelling book ever mentioned again? Not that I can remember. Okay. 
Okay, total red herring. Thanks, Swan's Crossing. <laughs> well, we open on Sydney walking down the street outside Swan's soda shop. She's empty-handed, and Ralph is just burdened by a ton of shopping bags. He keeps dropping them and picking It's a Lotsy. Like, he drops one, picks it up, and drops another one as he's picking <laughs> it up. It's amazing. <laughs> and apparently Sydney has been shopping for an outfit to wear to Mila's surprise party, which is that night. Yeah, and, and she's currently wearing a red or, or a black and white pantsuit that also could easily double as a prison jumpsuit. Which is fitting for her because, you know, she commits crimes. Crimes of personality, if not actual law crimes. The Countess comes in with Tutu on her shoulder, and behind them in this scene is that... The infamous rose trellis slash lattice from Garrett's, Garrett and Sydney's memories. I think so, but this time it mostly has yellow roses on it instead of red. But I think it's the same set piece, just with different flowers stuck to it. Yeah, I can't imagine that they didn't reuse it. I mean, they reuse a lot of things. Oh, yeah. The set. Oh, yeah. So the Countess mentions that she has a problem, which is that she needs to get Mila to the party tonight without her suspecting anything. And the camera does this close up on Sydney's face while some menacing minor key music plays. <laughs> I guess to denote that Sydney is scheming, but it feels more like Sydney is fighting down a sudden urge to murder the Countess. <laughs> or yeah, like she's she's plotting the demise of Mila. And then she said, I know someone who can get a girl to do just about anything, Countess. And I'm like, what? And and to underscore how creepy that line is, the Countess looks very hesitant, as well she might. <laughs> I don't think I want my daughter doing anything. Yeah, you're putting your daughter uh, into the mix with, with someone who can coerce her into doing anything. Well, we will circle back around to that later in the in the show. Uh, just remember that, Mila. Mm, yeah, okay. Anyway, mm -hmm. we cut to Glory's bedroom where she is shutting off the invitation tape, claiming she's mortified on Mila's behalf. And Garrett's kind of like sneer laughing over the whole thing. And Glory and like expounds on how embarrassing the whole surprise party thing is. Right, which I don't think I fully realized how embarrassing the surprise party is until we get to the party later in the episode. Mostly at this point, I was just going, what is everybody making a big deal about? I mean, the, the invitation, the video invitation is terrible, but what is the big, what is so embarrassing about a surprise party? Yeah, we do find out. It turns out it is a pretty embarrassing surprise party, but they had no way of knowing. But anyway, yeah. Glory points out Callie's new in town, but her family isn't doing this to her. And Garrett says, when you live on a submarine, life's a party. <laughs> Is this the first time in the show that anyone has referenced how weird it is that Callie lives on a submarine? I think so. I mean, we are 10 episodes in and finally yeah. someone points out that it's a little strange that she lives on a sub. Right. We are 10 episodes in. However, let's also keep in mind this is the end of episode this is this is the end of week 2. Yeah, this as is the, the show aired. week that the show is on the air. Glory thinks life on a sub must be lonely. I just think it must be very damp and claustrophobic. Definitely. And the the phone rings. Garrett assumes it's JT calling for Glory, uh but it's the Countess calling for Garrett on <laughs> Glory's phone. Maybe she tried Garrett's line and got no answer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting ahead. to think Garrett doesn't have a bedroom because the only time <laughs> we've seen him is either in the main area of their house or in Glory's bedroom. Garrett sleeps in a coffin because he's clearly a soulless vampire. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to the library where Neil and JT are talking to Mr. Han, the town librarian. I oh am my obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed with a set dressing once again because he's on a set that's clearly reusing the wood paneled walls from any given room in the Rutledge mansion. But there's like this American flag standing behind him. So he kind of looks like maybe he's the president. But also there are some framed posters hanging on the wall behind him. Did you notice how weird the posters were? So when you first see Mr. Han, two things. One, he's adorable and he's in a plaid bow tie. That is excellent. He is adorable. Yeah. Behind him, you can see the bottom of the poster, which says one in five Americans can't read this word. And then when, when the shot changes, you see that the word on the poster is America. <laughs> 
the other poster is one of the uh, one of the many varietal types of the ubiquitous 80s and 90s poster that was in every classroom and library I ever saw in my entire childhood. Reading is fundamental. Oh my god. Damn it. Absolutely. So the books that the books that JT is returning uh, he's asking a bunch of questions about what sounds like science and chemistry and all that kind of thing. And, uh, but when, when he sets the books down, they're all turned away from the camera. So you can't read the spines of them except for the top one, which is clearly labeled drama. Oh, Nathan, it's so much more than just drama. Cause I zoomed in on that motherfucker to see what exactly it said. Turns what out that book is the Aka Journal of English Language and Literary Studies, specifically a drama edition, which is published by Namdi Azakiwe University in Nigeria. What? I am dying to know what a Nigerian scholarly journal on language arts is doing in Swans Crossing, good old US of A. And also, I would read the hell out of that book. It sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I cannot really even fathom your devotion to this show. <laughs> You have so gone sorry. so far off the deep end. Like, <laughs> I have to reconcile myself to the fact that I might be, at this point in time, the most dedicated Swans Crossing fan on the planet. It is possible. You are the only person I, mean, I know who started a podcast devoted to it. So Ray Kowalski might be, like, maybe we're tied. Ray, get in touch. Let me know what you think. Neil tells Mr. Han that he read all eight of those textbooks, including, I guess, the one about Nigerian drama, um, in one day, in a single day. And now he has a list of more materials he needs on various sciencey topics. And Mr. Han is like, damn, kid, you work a lot. And then he says, all work and no play. And then JT's like, don't worry, we're going to make up for it tonight. And he tells him, and JT is definitely giving Neil some sex eyes when he says that. He's like, oh we're, yeah, we're gonna make up for it tonight. Like we are, we're just gonna bone like crazy. Listen, JT and Neil just gotta. I just want them to realize their attraction for one another and their destiny to be together. I mean, it just kills me that they keep pretending like JT is in love with glory and maybe he is partially, but like, come on, what you, what you needed was in front of you all along JT. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the real reason, apparently, according to the script that JT is saying this is because of the party tonight. And Mr. Han (laughs) gives Neil this weird side eye and is like, are you going? And Neil's like, I'd rather (laughs) drink an arsenic cocktail (laughs) with all of these distractions. How are we ever going to put this town on the map? And then we cut to a mysterious shot of hands in black leather gloves. Wait, wait, wait. What we actually (laughs) cut to is a blank yellow pad sitting next to a computer (laughs) keyboard over which the black gloved hands pass a number of things. We hear this voiceover as the sexily gloved hands pass things around. Nathan, did you happen to record? Did you happen to write down what the voiceover says? Your assignment. Swan's Crossing, established 1624. And there's like binoculars and this listening device. And he goes on to list like small police force, um, cosmetics empire, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, nothing much happens there. You shouldn't have too much trouble. And then he passes a gun. A gun! God, but also in his list of like features of Swan's Crossing, I love that he felt it was important to include the following things. Old money, world-class golf course, polo field. <laughs> polo field? <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> How is a polo field different from other fields? Why is this field different from all other fields? I guess the polo field maybe indicates that this person shouldn't have much trouble there. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, so, so it goes we get, to commercial. We get, we get opening credits. We get one new fake swan. And then, and, uh, when we come then back, after the break, we come back to the countess talking into a conch with a phone cord <laughs> coming out of it and writing with a quill pen. She's still on the phone with Garrett. 
trying to get him to take Mila to dinner. <laughs> She's like, oh. she won't refuse, I promise you. Oh my god. <laughs> you, I, I don't understand why Garrett is like protesting about how he doesn't want to do this. Because this will give him a perfect opportunity to put his cucking game into action. Like exactly. He tried, he tried Isn't this is exactly what he and Sydney talked about. Right. This is this is the plan, man. This is the, what the contract stipulates. But he tries to get the Countess to talk to Glory about party planning. <laughs> Glory protests. But what I love is, like, as the camera sort of pans over to show her reaction, she's sitting in her fancy chair just brushing her amazing hair. <laughs> Glory got to get her hair on point. <laughs> of course she does. And she's holding a teddy bear. We should not, yes, of course. We should not uh, negate the teddy bear. The Countess won't take no for an answer. She just like hangs up on Garrett. So he is now on the hook to be Mila's date to the party tonight. Right. And the whole point is he's getting her there so that she doesn't know about the party, which of course she already knows about because Sydney told her last episode. But the Countess doesn't know that she knows. Right. It's getting very complicated. <laughs> so speaking of Mila, we see her in her bedroom. She's talking on her gigantic red shoe phone. And she's sort of flitting around like packing a bag and talking to someone about getting to the airport. And her mom comes in and asks what she's up to. She says she's spending the night at Tasha's because she's back from Hong Kong. You know, like you do. <laughs> yeah, and you then, just fly to someone's house to spend the night there. When when the Countess is like, no, you're not going to do that. And Mila starts to object. The Countess says, don't fret, darling. It'll give you wrinkles. <sighs> And then she's, she calls Tasha a boring cousin, so I guess this is Mila's cousin, and says a night on the town with Garrett would be much more fun. I'm not sure there's a lot of nightlife in Swan's Crossing. But I okay. also don't think Garrett's that much fun. He's a psychopath. Yeah. He is a total psychopath, but maybe the Countess doesn't realize that yet? I don't know. Yeah. Now Mila kind of, we know Mila knows about the party already, right? And now she sort of knows that Garrett has been roped into her mom's plan, too. And she's not thrilled that her mom is, like, interfering this much. Then something very interesting happens. I'm curious if you got the same impression I did from this moment. Because the Countess goes into this whole reminiscence about Mila's acting job on Three O'Clock Dreams. And I have feelings about the Countess's relationship to three o'clock dreams like first of all it seems to me that the countess can't really tell the difference between reality and the things mila did on the show like she seems to think three o'clock dreams was somehow real life and also remember that mila was at the very most 13 when she was on that show and was on it from the time she was a top star which makes the next lines of dialogue particularly revolting right As the countess says do you remember when Conrad Wellington invited you to dine out with him? And Mila says, episode 47. And the Countess says, yes. And you remember the wonderful romantic evening that followed in act three? Uh, what the fuck kind of show was Three O'Clock Dreams? Why was a child, aged 13 or younger, being romanced at a fancy dinner by what I assume was an adult man? Who wrote Three O'Clock Dreams? Matt Gates? Oh, definitely. And then it goes. she goes on to talk about how after the dinner, she was in a fire and ended up in, like, the burn unit for four days. Yeah, her character, not Mila herself. Right, 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 right. But, like, what? She's 13. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> three o'clock dreams. I want a show about three o'clock dreams. <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about best psychopath for the week, I think Countess is definitely in the running. Oh, she's a top contender at this point. It is sure. bananas, the things that she does in this episode. Well, then we cut to the cool, the tool and die, where Sasha's just hanging around to moon over Callie while he works on a bike. And he calls her a rare being to understand the art of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. <laughs> Should we explain that? Do you think we have people who don't know about Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance? That's Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so for those who don't get the reference, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was uh, a 1974 work of like avant-garde writing kind of existing in this Venn diagram overlap between fiction, memoir, and self-help. And it was a huge bestseller and it remained a major title for many years and it was still like very popular in the 90s. So there you go. Yeah, and, <laughs> it, and it just like, I laughed so hard when he said that. Because I remember in the 90s, everybody talking about this book and how good it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a big deal back then. Like everybody, it was a hot, yeah. hot item. Callie expresses some apprehension about venturing out into the Swans Crossing social scene for the first time. But just before she leaves to get ready for the party, Jimmy asks Saja if his sister will be there. Sophia, of course. And Saja's like, to the extent that she controls her own destiny. <laughs> So Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, I guess that means yes. And he takes off shooting a look at Callie like he's upset to be leaving her while Saja's still there. Oh, did you interpret it that way? That's what I I, I, I assumed. I assumed Jimmy's there as a cockpuck. Okay, I felt like Jimmy, I felt like it was a really dickish look he gave Callie. Like maybe he knows Callie has a crush on him. And he's like rubbing it, rubbing it in her face that he's has a seventeen year old girlfriend who likes to do sex. Oh, <laughs> I'm not. I don't know though. I don't really. I don't know how to take any of this. Yeah, that's also I think a completely viable interpretation. Uh, as I said, it did seem like the writers took a break on this episode, <laughs> so there's a lot that's unsaid. As unclear as things usually are in Swans Crossing, it's extra unclear in this episode. Yeah. It's very confusing. So we so, cut to yeah, Sydney on the phone with Glory. She's professing that she's glad that Garrett's taking Mila, not worried at all. Glory seems to con- to be a bit confused, but she's talking Garrett up to Sydney, and then the camera like pulls back. We see Garrett's like right in the room watching her <laughs> talk to Sydney. <laughs> like, yeah. and, like as Glory's praising him, he kind of gives this evil grin, so you know he's not nice ever at all. Yeah, no. And then we cut to Swan's Soda Shop, where Owen, Sandy, and some random keyboard kid are playing instruments, and there's obviously no music coming from the instruments again. Oh, yeah. So, like, Owen is allegedly playing the drums, but it does not line up with the drum beat of the music that's kind of slightly playing. Sandy, we need to talk about Sandy's outfit. Oh, my God. Um, And also her movements, because she's (gasps) dancing. She's not singing. She's just dancing around, like, in this way that kind of makes me feel like maybe she did ecstasy before this party started. Yeah. And um, she is wearing the formal wear of choice for edgy ladies in the late 1980s, which was a whole ass tuxedo from the waist up Mm -hmm. and from the waist down, just some extremely high-waisted and very snug black shorts with fishnet tights. So it kind of looks like just underwear and she forgot to put her pants on before she left the house. Yeah. Yeah, and behind the band is a giant sign saying, Happy birthday, Mila, Mila, Mila. <laughs> Pink balloons everywhere. Uh, oh, yeah. And I should point out that the entire event is black tie. Yes, everyone is in formal wear. Also, I noticed a, a startling amount of old people at this party for teenagers. Like, I don't know what's up with that. Since allegedly the only people who were invited were kids aged 14 to 17. I don't want to think too much about why these rich old white people are hanging around at a kid's party. But I will say, I think maybe I might have spotted Jelaine Maxwell in that crowd. So please be careful, teens of Swans Crossing. Also, it should be noted, as as we typically do when, when we go into the soda shop, I was examining what was on the counter. There are a truly <laughs> insane number of candelabras. <laughs> so many like just so many candelabras and they're all lit there was fire everywhere in this place again at least at least they're not surrounded by cardboard boxes yeah that's that's an improvement really bothered so we do that that thing where the camera follows a random background artist like they're about to get their own storyline but instead it jumps over to the countess kind of because she just sort of walks into the shot from distinctly not in the shot, uh-huh. looks straight into the camera, kicks a hole right through the fourth wall. It is so weird. She introduces Neil and Callie as guests like she's on a TV special. And, and she specifically introduces Callie Walker, daughter of reclusive millionaire Captain Walker. Apparently, Callie's dad's first name is Captain. It's not, but that's just what everyone calls him. So then she walks out of the shot again, and you can see that she was actually talking to a cameraman. Like, not the camera person who's filming the show we're watching, but a character who's, uh, like, a videographer at the, at the party. Yeah. But that was very confusing for a good few seconds. I was, every time I see that scene, I'm like, wait, what the fuck's happening right yeah. now? And then the the camera the camera pans over to Callie and Neil, who have just been introduced. 
smiling awkwardly as they wait for this photographer who's with the reporter to snap their picture. It's so good. This takes a good five to six seconds. It's so weird. This they do look very awkward. I love it. The Countess brings them special Mila floats, which just appear to be strawberry milkshakes with whipped cream on top and like big tacky straws with Mila's toddler picture stuck to them. Yeah, but um, I just, I want to take a minute to celebrate these Mila floats. They are so profoundly garish and <laughs> over the top. They, there's like stuff coming out of, there's like straws and like little whirly things coming out of the top of them. It's unbelievably just too much. It's too much. It does look like somebody just went to Michael's craft store and dumped the contents in a blender. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Neil thanks Callie for giving him a tour of their sub. So, so apparently Captain Walker does allow visitors on board. Yeah. And and he says like everything else that week besides the tour of the sub totally sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, you know, he he's not, I don't think, um, really taking into account all that wonderful reading he got to do. So uh, again, we see another guy, a background actor, the same one as we saw in the very first scene in Swans, not, not earlier today, but like in the very first episode, same dude. And the camera just follows him closely as he crosses the entire set. And I so want this guy's backstory, but no, again, he is merely something for the camera to follow. To get to the other group of main characters. Who are, at this point, Nancy and Sydney. Can we name the the guy, the guy who gets followed by the camera? Yeah, what should we call him? I'm I'm gonna say Phil. Phil. Okay. Phil. I I feel like maybe maybe the camera follows him so much because perhaps Phil was supposed to be a, a character like in his own storyline in season two. Because you know, season two did get greenlit initially. They were going to make season two. And then it immediately got killed again, like two weeks later. So, so RIP to our hopes and dreams. So um, sad. I know. I'm super bummed. But maybe Phil was going to be a major player in season two. That's why the camera spent so much time on right? it. Right? They knew they needed to build up the anticipation of the story that they were they were creating for Phil. Oh, Phil. Oh, Phil. We hardly knew ye. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> The camera lights on Sydney and Nancy, who are having a big laugh over how babyish the party is with all the pink and silver balloons and the general hullabaloo. Okay, as as is usual, I need to pause for the costumes because okay. Sydney is in a classic, very nice, like red dress, kind of slinky, whatever. Nancy is wearing a bright green and lavender plaid dress. It is phenomenal. I love that dress. I'm not sure how black tie it is, but it oh, definitely not. Awesome. Definitely not. <laughs> like so like Nancy and Glory in this Nancy, Glory, and Jimmy in this scene take the cake for like dressed for the wrong party. Oh, yes. We'll get to Jimmy in a minute. <laughs> so good. So I love. I took notes on Jimmy's outfit. The Countess kind of runs up onto the stage where Sandy is still just like ketamine dancing and she yells about how this is turning into some enchanted evening and then Sydney rolls her eyes so hard. It's the best eye roll I've seen in an entire show full of great eye rolls. And Nancy Nancy leans over to Sydney and is like, what's Mila gonna be, 10? <laughs> Nancy's lines are so good in this episode. They, it's like they took all of the work that they were going to do to do a full episode, and they were like, let's just do a couple lines for Nancy. Oh, man. I want. There was never enough Nancy in this show. I just want to pile her on. She's right? such a great villain. She's Cruella DeVille. She is. She is. She's wonderful. So Sophia walks in and parts the balloons <laughs> surrounding the entrance like like she has emerged from <laughs> like like Venus from the clamshell, <laughs> which she is. And then she's followed by some tall guy. And I instantly was like, oh, who that? Who that tall uh, guy? And behind mysterious tall guy, uh, there's Saja who stops to gaze at one of the balloons. Oh, this is my favorite part of the episode. you got to tell us what he says. He gazes at one of the balloons, and we get this voiceover of Saja saying, Is it that I am a boy dreaming that I am a balloon? Or a balloon dreaming that I am a boy? <laughs> I related to this moment strongly. <laughs> because 
every time I eat two edibles. <laughs> I was about to say. Saja, I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I feel like, I feel like between the two of us, you were definitely going to be the person who understands this moment more. <laughs> what are you saying, sir? <laughs> it's true. Listen, game recognized game. Exactly. I know when someone else, I know when someone else is high. Saja is definitely high. It's high as balls. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So JT and Gloria are hanging out and wondering if Garrett and Mila are going to show up. Gloria looks particularly underdressed, like everyone else came for prom and she's ready for a fun backyard cocktail party. She looks cute for a different party. (laughs) Glory and JT. I mean, JT looks a little more dressed up, but both of them, like, they look so adorable. Like, they are consistently... The only two actual teenagers, like the only real human teenagers in this show. They're just precious. I just love them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we cut to the outside of Swans. And can you please describe for our listeners what Mila is wearing? With pleasure. She is wearing a a fuchsia pink dress that is so aggressively of its era. It's off the shoulder, but also has huge puffy sleeve thingies. It has a sequined bodice and an enormous matching bow in her hair. Like the bow is actually wider than Mila's entire skull. Yeah. Uh, And also she has these really long swinging earrings. They're just like globes and they look like pink, like Christmas tree balls. (laughs) Something you would hang on a Christmas tree. It's incredible. And Garrett is also in a tux, but he has that long gray scarf. Oh my God. Like he's about to go to the opera. It's a long, like, narrow scarf. Was this, I guess this must have been a thing back then. It must have been like a, is this a rich people thing? Oh, this is 100% a rich people thing. You only see this in, like, movies about people in New York. Okay. That makes some sense then. Mila balks at the last second. She's like, I can't go in, I can't go in. And she knows, she admits that she knows all about the party and the stupid invitations her mom sent out. And she says, there's just like, there's emotional close-up on Mila. She says, Sydney told me. She's a real friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then and, and she's like, what do they think of me? And Garrett's like, you look like a TV star. That's what you are. And she's all, is that, what you, is that why you brought me? No. Good. Because I just want to be a normal kid. And then Garrett says, first lesson. Normal kids make mistakes and they have to live with them. And Mila says, they do? <laughs> oh. I lost my mind. Oh my gosh. Garrett's trying to convince her to just like nut up and go into the stupid soda shop, right? Mm. And and he he hits on a way to coax her in there. And he says, didn't you have to walk onto the set of your TV show the first day of shooting? How'd you do that? And Mila says, with my agent. And then they laugh and the tension's dispelled. And then it's just a close up on a punch bowl with three plastic swans floating around in it. And we cut to commercial. Yeah. What? That's such an awkward transition. And then when we come back from commercial, we're right back in the scene with Mila and Garrett. And he's like, meet yeah. your new agent. And they oh. go in and the camera follows them into the shop. And there is the most half-hearted surprise call I've ever heard. And two things I noticed while everyone's yelling surprise. First of all, Saja still staring fixedly at the balloons. <laughs> totally unaware of anything that's going on around him Mm -hmm. and second sophia just kind of looks at mila like (laughs) (laughs) oh sophomores sophomores with pink sequins so uh uh the countess forces mila floats onto them they are apparently not good and and jazz in in the text is essentially just required to stand there as they are talking because she has to explain about the Mila floats before she leaves. Oh my god, it's, it's so, so good. awkward. Oh. But um, Garrett and Mila do raise a toast. Mila says to a couple of or Garrett toasts to a couple of normal kids, and Mila toasts to my agent. And my notes just say, "No, honey, don't do this. No, no, no. And don't and make counters- a fourteen year old psychopath your agent." Yeah, the the countess the countess wants photos of them with the floats, and she goes off calling reporter, reporter, and and then we see across the room, Sydney just like watching them with this stricken look on her face. Right, 
right? And then we cut to Saja still gazing at the balloon and the voiceover goes, what is it to be a balloon? <laughs> the balloon's normal state of existence is as a balloon. Thus, would I even be aware that? And then Callie distracts him by muttering something about the essence of being, but like Saja is tripping balls i i think saja may have ventured into the realm of psychedelics here like he is full-on psychonaut mode it's also important to note that while this voiceover is happening it's actually very hard to hear because i think the mila song is happening in the background oh yeah listen this was a whole ass cacophony okay there's saja's voiceover there's callie talking there's like music playing and unrelated unrelated to the music that's playing which by the way is never give up thank you our immortal ballad is back um in addition to that a whole bunch of kids are singing the mila song and i can't handle the noise that's going on right now it's It's terrible it's so difficult to understand what's happening so callie asks saja about jimmy and he's not there yet they're interrupted by glory who's looking for jt she finds him with neil they're trying to drink the mila floats and even jt cannot drink this he eats everything jt asks asks glory where she went and she went to get him a float a second one he seems less than thrilled now he's got two special Mila floats. And like as they're having this little exchange where Glory's all being all cute and like, I brought you a float. Neil looks at them in utter disgust and then he picks up a party hat with a clown on it and just puts it on his head. <laughs> he's like, fuck you guys, I'm going full clown hat mode. <laughs> and then the Countess, who who is constantly throughout this section of the of the show saying everyone blah 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 and then she'll like make an announcement and no one looks at her (laughs) but she's constantly trying to get everyone's attention and no one's paying any attention to her whatsoever but she she announces a ladies choice dance as garrett walks over to annoy jt um jt sort of says something snide about the party mila takes it personally and and garrett sees this and goes hey listen Take my sister and go dance. It's the last time you're ever going to hear me say that. And and then it like JT leads Glory off to go dance and Neil just casts a sad gaze after him. Oh, Neil. Oh, Neil. So sad. Mila's afraid that everyone is laughing at her and Garrett's like, no, they're not. And he leads her out to dance. They yeah, go except right they, are. They, they are. Yeah, I mean, they are. But Garrett's <laughs> trying to be nice for once in his life. So, okay. He leads her right past Sydney, who sees them holding hands and looks even more stricken than the last time. Like, Sydney looks like she is watching someone strangle puppies in front of her. This is the longest cross in the history of cinema. <laughs> this, this cross f- takes forever for them to get to the dance floor, and it's all one shot. This is really putting the crossing in Swan's Crossing. Oh my gosh. Jimmy finally rolls in, fashionably late. And speaking of fashion, do you want to describe what Jimmy looks like? Jimmy, to put this into context, when Jimmy, when we last saw Jimmy, he was saying, I have to go get ready for the party. Jimmy is wearing exactly what he was wearing at the uh, the tool and die, except he has thrown a black jacket on. He's yeah, wearing so- a white t-shirt. Under a black jacket. And my notes also say he has combed his hair to resemble a Newsies cap. (laughs) Like his hair is doing this weird laying down but aggressively forward thing. It sort of peeks out over his forehead. I don't know. That's what he put all his effort into was fixing his hair that way. I don't remember this look from the 90s. I don't either. I think it was just just bad hair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he sees Sophia dancing with the tall guy and he kind of walks up and he's like, hey, what's up? And she puts her arm around the tall guy's neck and is like, oh, hi there. <laughs> and the tall guy goes, who's that? And she's like, just one of my brother's little friends. And they dance, oh, they dance away. Damn, Jimmy, you've been dumped, son. Dumped oh. hard. Oh my God, he's crushed. And he kind of walks off. And and he reveals as he parts that Saja and Callie kind of saw it all in the background. Yeah. Callie walks over another long cross to the to the soda shop counter, sits down, and then Nancy comes up to Callie and says, "Aren't you glad you don't care if people like you?" But like, I think it has to be we it has to be pointed out that like Callie clearly is a little distraught. Like she sees Jimmy run off, 
Yeah. And she kind of yeah. is going after him and then sort of catches herself and is like, no, no, no. I shouldn't go, like, mess with him right now. He just got dumped. Like, that's bad timing. So she just sits down at the counter and Nancy fucking, like, senses blood in the water. Right. Like, she is a right. shark. She comes over to make Callie feel even more miserable in that moment. Like, oh, Nancy's so evil. I love her. Yep. And and Callie's like, what do you mean? And Nancy says, look at Mila trying so hard to be popular. We'll be laughing at her for weeks. Sydney seems totally jazzed by this idea. She's like smiles. She's all, yeah. And, and then, then Callie's like, yep, she's go. onto their bullshit. And she says, I really feel sorry for you. And Nancy just doesn't know what to do with that and slinks away. Right? I love <laughs> Callie Walker. I love her. I know so she's great. Much, she's wonderful. She's not putting up with this. Nancy goes over to Jimmy and says two sentences to him before walking away. The sentences are: "I just saw Sophia here with Edward. They're the same height," and she <laughs> walks away. Stone cold. They're the same height, which I guess is meant to drive home how Jimmy is shorter and therefore younger than Sophia. Oh my god! So funny. So good. I don't understand what's happening on the monitors behind Jimmy <laughs> in this scene. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's playing the official music video for the song that's playing right now, which is uh, Shelter Me by Joe Cocker. But I'm not... A hundred percent sure. I can't really remember the video that clearly. Uh, somebody send us a link to the video of Shelter yeah. by Joel Cocker. Because we are definitely too lazy to look it up on YouTube. I'm definitely not so, going to do that. Anyway, um, Neil comes over, still wearing the clown hat, and he mm -hmm. says to Jimmy, you look like you could shoot somebody. If you do, could you shoot me first and put me out of my misery? <laughs> oh, Neil. <laughs> and then we cut back to the Baldies who do not have a yellow pad on their desk. And one of no. them is like, this Professor Van is a very serious threat. And that is it. Yeah. That's the whole scene. That is it. But doing my super sleuthing, I was able to narrow down more the location of Swan's Crossing because on the computer screen behind them, it shows that weird, like, terrible graphic of the eastern seaboard. And there's a big orange dot that takes up several states, but if we assume the center of the dot is right on Swan's Crossing, <laughs> then it's somewhere in Massachusetts, Connecticut, or Rhode Island. Okay. It's right in that section. So we've narrowed it down a little more. Oh, I love it. That's excellent. <laughs> I thought you would probably be pretty stoked about this next scene because we cut back to Swan's and Neil and Jimmy. You want to get into what they are talking about? I They're just... They seem tremendously bored by the party, yeah. and they start looking at the gears behind the counter of the shop. The gear sculpture, your favorite thing. I love the gear sculpture, and and this is the first time that I noticed there is an actual like gear belt on the back of the sculpture. They, yeah, it's like moving. Yeah, the gears are turning. I don't know what they're doing, but they're turning. Yeah, and they seem they seem very excited by the gear sculpture, and then we cut away from them as Sydney goes over to talk to Mila, who embraces her and Gary. It as as her new best friends and then as as this try hug is happening sydney and garrett are just like making eyes at each other across oh mila. my god it is so uncomfortable yeah mila just like makes a, a mila sandwich with garrett and sydney on either side and it is just this is the most ill-advised three-way in the universe where yeah like garrett and sydney are like yeah <laughs> with mila like physically between them it is right. very weird <laughs> the countess the countess spots them says something pulls the reporter over to take a shot the photographer though i first have to say the photographer's name is ansel which of course what else would you name a photographer Absolutely. in this world the countess yeah she brings out a bunch of wacky hats and she gives mila a crown like a princess crown Sydney has an angel's halo and Garrett gets devil horns. Ooh, symbolism. <laughs> yeah. And then as these as we're seeing this shot of the three of them together, we cut over to Owen who has another fever dream about Mila, this time with the crown on her head. It is <laughs> so incredible. <laughs> Yeah, she's wearing the same, like, bedazzled peach gown as in all of Owen's previous hallucinations. Um, but this time with that, like, cheap-ass plastic crown on top. I love it so much. <laughs> ah. Oh, and there is this moment where Mila kind of turns away for a second to talk to somebody else. And Garrett and Sydney are very close. And, like, they are almost making out. And then Mila turns back and they sort of break apart again. They, like, <laughs> jump back. It's great. <laughs> 
Mila, so the Countess is like trying to get everyone to dance again. And as usual, everyone in the cafe is ignoring her. Mila asks Sydney if she minds if if Mila and Gary and Garrett dance. Sydney's like, no, I was about to dance with Bobby, who's all, Bobby is no longer at this number. Sandra is so high. Right? So high. And, and she, she like jerks him practically off his feet and like forces him to dance. And then in the background, he keeps trying to get away from her. He's like trying to claw his way out of Sydney's grip. I love it. We see in this scene the very first non jazz waitstaff cleaning the table <laughs> as quickly as possible uh, as this awkward dancing keeps happening in the background and jazz is running around like a carnival hawker going mila floats on the house she cannot get rid of these things i mean they're just strawberry milkshakes come on man i love a strawberry shake right me too then we see neil and jimmy who are under a table where neil reveals some secret gears and jimmy looks all stoked so secret gears all it takes to make a a dude like jimmy forget a crushing blow to his ego absolutely we see uh the countess comes down and she's got a special song for the cake and she like it forces everyone that she's just tried to get dancing forces everyone sort of around the table an empty table and she starts to sing the Mila song oh yeah and can you please tell the people what happened I will first I have to point out though did you notice that Phil our favorite background guy was standing right behind her and he was making the best cringe faces of all time like while she's singing he's like I did not (laughs) notice that and now I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it okay so what happens is as she sings a bizarre platform descends from the ceiling it is covered in ribbon streamers and balloons and it features a huge swan shaped birthday cake this cake is (laughs) so big it's the size of an entire person it alights on the table jazz unties the balloons and they float back up to the sky and then while this is going on, Sydney and Nancy are just cracking up over how ridiculous this all is. Yep. Mila is mortified. And then the table begins to slowly spin so that you can see all of the angles of this incredible swan cake. Yes. So this is the secret. The secret gears turn the table. Yeah. The enormous swan cake begins to rotate. The happy Mila song gives way to another menacing minor key tune. The cake begins to spin faster and faster Neil and Jimmy are off in the corner watching it all and laughing so they clearly rigged the table to go berserk and then cake starts flying off of the table into the faces of all the guests who make no motion to move away whatsoever they all just stand there waiting for their chance to have cake and icing just slapped into their faces and like everyone Everyone gets it. We get everybody's reaction shot to being caked in the face. And friends, this is the end of the second week of Swan's Crossing. Well, almost, because the Countess yells, A conspiracy! (laughs) And then it's the end. I forgot. (laughs) I forgot. It's even in my notes. It's in my notes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a conspiracy. It's embarrassing. Oh my Oh my gosh. And that's the end, not only of the episode, but the end of season one of our podcast, because we did decide it would be good for us to give ourselves some time off. So um, I'll get into it later, but uh, we'll talk about the season thing a bit. Before we do that, Nathan, who is your pick for Psychopath of the Week? I gotta go with the Countess. I have to agree. I mean, this is so over the top. It is. It's just, I don't know what she's doing. She's got so many problems. Complete obliviousness to what everyone else is thinking. Just a complete like inability to understand the other feelings in the room. And like her weird thing where she appears to think that everything that happened on three o'clock dreams truly did happen to her daughter in real life. I mean, it's just Countess has she needs therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And also you gotta stop you gotta stop making phones out of things that aren't phones, madam. Yeah. Another symptom of her psychosis. Right. Let's hear your predictions for next week. So as much as I would really love us to pick up right where we left off, I think we start the next day and Sydney and Garrett are having a conversation about the party and Sydney's trying to hide the fact that she was so jealous. And 
I think we got a little bit of Nancy in this episode, so I'm going to say no Nancy next episode because they just seem to like just it's like it's like a little candy that they dangle in front of us. Given given how the, it has been progressing extremely slowly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Baldies and the other computer guys are like the next shot of them is like walking out of their computer office. Like that's how slowly things have been going. We didn't get a lot of Neil and JT this time, so I think we're probably back in JT's bedroom slash office working on the problems next time. Uh, Maybe Katie comes in and screws things up again. Mila, I think, spends all of next episode in her bedroom recovering and completely depressed. Maybe Sydney comes over. Callie is trying to just get just get some work done, you know, just get into the tool and die, get some work done, trying to forget about all the drama. Maybe she spends some time comforting Jimmy, who she realized got dumped pretty hard. I am really going to miss the innuendos from Sophia because I think that is my favorite part of the show so far. But maybe we'll get more of that. I don't know. Anyway, those are my predictions. All right, great. Excellent. Okay. As I mentioned before, we did decide to break up recording into seasons so we could take some time off now and then. So this is the end of our first season. This episode will air on June 5th, and then you won't hear from us for a couple of weeks while we get caught up on pre-recording some more episodes. But I will have some fun between seasons bonus content, all Swans Crossing related, of course, Uh, which will come out on June 19th and then July 3rd. And then we will be back with season two in which we will dive into episode 11 of the show with a regular recap like usual on July 10th. So I'm sorry to say you'll have to wait until July 10th to find out who orchestrated the cake conspiracy, but I promise it will be worth it. (laughs) Uh, Swan count. We had... We had six new fake swans, bringing our actual swan total to 24 and our other swans total to 39. I want to give a big thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit television show, Swans Crossing. What a hit it is. And you can get in touch with us on social media, on Twitter, at Gotta Grow Up Pod, and on Instagram, at Swans Cross Pod. I have so many fun gifts on Instagram, and they're all hosted on Giphy or Jiffy if you are a monster who pronounces it wrong. So go there and search for Swans Crossing. You'll find everything I've made so far. Use them wisely and well, friends. And until next season, everyone, may all your cakes uh, spin so fast. No, that's that's not no, good. Have we had that. any suggestions from people about how to sign off yet? Yes. Uh, Ray Kowalski, number one super fan of Swans Crossing, suggested that we sign off with, you got to grow up sometime, but now is not that time. I like that. I like it, too. Let's try it. You gotta grow up sometime, but now is not that time. And let them eat cake, also. Something about cake, because I really am obsessed with that swan cake. Excellent. We're really good at science. We are. We're good. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. That was good. (laughs) Or, you know, as good as it gets. Is it that I am a boy dreaming I am a balloon? Or a balloon dreaming that I am a boy?